Hey, good morning and welcome to La Jolla Community Church. We're so glad you're here with us today. This week is Thanksgiving, and if you're planning on spending it alone or in a small group, we want to invite you here to La Jolla Community Church on Thanksgiving Day, where we'll have great food, good conversation, and just a fun time in community. And afterwards, if you'd like to stick around, we'll be decorating a Christmas tree and setting up the nativity scene, and we'd love to have you. To RSVP, you can send me an email at drake at ljcc.org. And whether you spend Thanksgiving with us or with friends and family, we just hope it's a great day for you. What a fun time to eat good food and give thanks to God. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. At this time, we're going to get started with worship. So if you're able, you are welcome to stand. gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy and righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to Him. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yeah. 
morning it is. Father, we are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude for another day in your creation. We exalt you, our God and our King, and will praise your name forever and ever. Speaking of your mighty acts to all those who come behind us, we celebrate your abundant goodness and love for us. Father, we are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude for your Son and the forgiveness of our sins through the shedding of his blood. We repent, Lord, humbly confessing that we are sinners and it is only through your amazing grace and love that we might stand holy and righteous before you. Forgive us, cleanse us, restore us, renew us, and raise us up to become the people you want us to be. And Father, we are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude for all you do to meet our needs and the multitude of blessings you pour down on us every day. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Lord, we thank you that you watch over us and hear our prayers. From the fullness of your grace, we have received one blessing after another. And we may we never forget that every good and perfect gift is from you, Lord, our Father. And Father, we are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude that we can bring all of our cares and hurts and needs before you. Lord, we pray that you would hear the prayers of our church community and lay your healing, comforting, loving hand upon us all. Help us to walk our journey steadfast in the knowledge that you are faithful and righteous in all that you do. Though we don't celebrate trials, we celebrate and give thanks that we are never alone, that you walk before, behind, and beside us in all that we do. And now, Lord, open our hearts and our minds as Steve opens your word to us. Speak to us through him, and as always, Lord, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, La Jolla Community Church. You may be seated. 
My name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the director of youth ministries here at La Jolla Community Church, and I want to welcome you all to our wonderful church this Sunday morning. On your way in, you should have received one of our lovely bulletins, and if you notice, right in the middle, there's a little bit of a perforation, so if you fold that bad boy in half, you'll notice on the top is a little welcome card. Um, Drake mentioned in our announcements earlier about our community Thanksgiving. This is a perfect card. We would hope that you would take it home, invite somebody, let them know, hey, if you know somebody that doesn't have anywhere to be this Thanksgiving, they've got no plans on Thursday, they're going to be alone, invite them, let us know that we have a wonderful place that we would love to welcome them, comfort them, and share a meal with them. So if you've got somebody you know who would love to be part of our church or any of the wonderful things going on here at La Jolla Community Church, please take this card home, invite somebody, let them know some of the wonderful things that we've got going on here. The bottom half of that card is for you and for you to fill out here at church. Um, my hope is that as I'm talking, you would take a moment to fill this out. I promise nobody's going to get you in trouble for writing during the announcements. But this first half of that card is our Connect card. It says, Get Connected With Us. This is how we at La Jolla Community Church get you plugged in and some of the wonderful events going on here at church. Whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, any of the wonderful things that are happening, if you want to be involved and get a part of that, we need you to fill out this card. So if this is your first Sunday or maybe your hundredth Sunday, take a moment, fill out that connect card. Let us know how we can get you engaged in church. And then on the back side, it says, let us pray for you. We at La Jolla Community Church believe in coming together, in lifting each other up, encouraging one another, and praying for our family. If you've got something difficult, something you're struggling with, something you need a little extra help with, a little extra love with this week, please take a moment, fill that out. Let us know how we can pray for you. We've got a dedicated prayer warrior team that prays individually over every single prayer request that gets turned in. And I don't know about you, but when that prayer warrior team prays over the things that I need. I just feel an extra special blessing that week. So if you need something prayed for, if you've got a family member, a friend that's going through something, take a moment, fill that out. Let us know how we can pray for you. And you can take that card along with the offering envelopes that are in the seat backs directly in front of you. Welcome to everybody in the Welcome Center and online. You can turn in these cards on your way out or mounted on the wall here in the sanctuary as well as in the Welcome Center. Well, we thank you all so much for joining us and I would love to invite Pastor Steve up to lead us in a message. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Well, we're in, in this series, Thriving and Growing, and I hope you are. Uh, you can go back and listen to the other messages. Uh, this is the next to the last installment in this series. And so we're talking today about practicing gratitude, uh, a pretty good thing to do since we're looking at Thanksgiving week. I'm going to read Psalm 145 to you. Uh, if you've memorized it, feel free to say it along with me. Uh, otherwise, just follow along as I read it. Or you can follow it on your phone if you want. You can, if you want to do that, that's fine. Uh, psalm 145, it's a psalm of David, a psalm of praise, a psalm of gratitude. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord, your faithful people 
extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Now, because I didn't want to overwhelm you, when I think of reading this, uh, I, I want to have more volume. I just, I, I, as I read it in my head, as I read it this week, I kept wanting to crank the volume up, and by the time I was done screaming it out, uh, does that not uh, register with you? Does this psalm not fire you up? Does it not jumpstart gratitude in your heart for God? You can imagine reading this in a large assembly of people, and they're all just hooting and hollering, not out of um, disrespect, but out of pure, uncensored joy. Can you imagine all creatures in heaven stopping, and they, and they, they realize this is being read, and, and they start praising God? It would be amazing, wouldn't you think? Uh, this is the kind of psalm that evokes that response. Can you imagine David writing this psalm? Uh, have you ever been writing something that makes you either laugh or cry? Sometimes when I'm writing things, I, I get so into it, I just find the emotion moving through me, and I think, wow, the power of, the, of these words, the power of words unspoken but read, the power of words sung. Now think about this for David, Psalm 145, there's 150 psalms. This is toward the end of his life. Psalm 40 is behind him. Remember Psalm 40 was, Lord, I'm in a pit, where are you? And, and then it goes on and he says, oh my gosh, you're right next to me. You're in the pit with me. Thank you. Uh, Psalm 51, I have sinned against you alone, O Lord. Not that he de- denies his sin with Bathsheba. His heinous sin against Uriah. But rather he's saying, Lord, it's you to whom I'm accountable. So Psalm 40, Psalm 51 are behind him. Here's a lifetime of walking with God, the man after God's own heart. And as he pours out his heart to God, on behalf of his people and every generation, uh, this is what he comes up with, Psalm 145. Powerful, powerful, powerful. It, it foreshadows and prepares us for Jesus. Who provides this but Jesus? Certainly God provided it to his people. But when you read this, it's the personification of Jesus. It's everything Jesus did. It's everything that Jesus does. And it shapes New Testament theology. Think about this. Uh, the early church, all of whom were Jews, raised on the scriptures. They knew the Psalms by heart, literally. They knew the Proverbs by heart, literally. These were foundational aspects of their education. It was like when I was a little kid, everybody would say the Pledge of Allegiance at at, at the beginning of the school day. 
uh, in one school I went to, we would say the Lord's Prayer. And as a, as a child, you internalize these things, right? They become so much a part of your architecture, they become integrated into your very being. And so the writers of the New Testament, all of whom were Jewish except for Luke, and he interviewed all the ones uh, who had walked with Jesus, and so he was, a, he was an honorary Jew by then. I mean, all of us are now sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. You might not be Jewish by heritage, but you are by uh, your salvation heritage. And so this psalm was embedded in their being. So this psalm, it's fair to say, shaped the New Testament. Let me give you some examples. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. What's that but an echo of Psalm 145? John, the youngest of Jesus' disciples, the great apostle who outlived all the other disciples and apostles, he says this, From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. The apostle Paul, late to the party, the angry rabbi who becomes an ardent follower of Jesus, the international man going out to bring the gospel to Jews and to Gentiles, says it this way as he writes to the people in Greece, in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, in his letter to the Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Where does that theology come from? Psalm 145. This large view of God is a context for Thanksgiving, obviously, and for Advent. That last verse, that one to the Thessalonians, give thanks in all, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I don't know if, if your circumstances are really difficult right now. But let me just clarify, we do not thank God for all circumstances. We thank God in all circumstances. Why? Because He is with us and for us in every circumstance. Well, why would God allow you to go through difficult circumstances? Well, because He loves you. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to learn to trust in Him and depend on Him. And we live in a fallen world, and bad things happen. We'd like to say, well, yeah, bad things even happen to good people, but there's no good people, in a sense. <laughs> We're all well-intentioned. We were made good, but none of us at the end of the day can actually say, well, I'm so good, I don't deserve any, any, any consequence of a fallen world. Well, no, you're, you're complicit in it. You're part of it. It's not my fault. Well, it might not be your fault, but it's a fallen world, and it, and it touches on all of us. It's a broken world that God came to save. And so in Psalm 145, David describes a God who inspires our gratitude fulfilled in Christ, giving us a reason to celebrate thanksgiving to have gratitude. Now, having just said that, someone could say, well, what's so unique about gratitude? Everybody has gratitude. Every culture expresses gratitude in some way. Really? You might want to reflect on that a little further before you jump to that conclusion. What is so special and unique about gratitude that we just assume it's a normative human thing? Because the answer is, well, yes, it is, but no, it's not. Yes, it is, because gratitude is woven into creation as an expression of our essential being. This is the first big idea of the morning. What's so unique about gratitude? Gratitude is woven into all creation as an expression 
of our essential being. Yes, we have been created to express gratitude. It is part of God's image in us. And so, yeah, it's true that all people have the capacity to express gratitude. All cultures have the capacity uh, to celebrate with gratitude. The fact that we don't, and, and really for many people, gratitude is a learned behavior inculcated through a family experience or a culture. It's because um, this, this innate to us aspect of our creation by God himself is obscured uh, by the fallen nature of this world. Because gratitude creates a, a need to express humility. And often we're unwilling to acknowledge that we need anybody or anything. We're self-made people worshiping our own creator. So gratitude is woven into creation as an expression of our essential being. God gifted people with capacity to reflect his glory, to reflect his goodness, and to reflect his justice. Even when we don't, something resonates in us that we should. Scripture even depicts examples of nature itself praising God. That's why I say all creation is imbued with this capacity. Uh, I love this. I see in Isaiah 55, you don't, we won't have a slide of this, but let me just read two examples, one out of Isaiah, one out of Psalm 19. Um, Isaiah 55 says, The mountains and hills will burst forth into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. What's that about? It's about all creation expressing its gratitude to the Creator. Uh, the, you know, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, literally. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world, praising God, pointing to God. Who has not stood under the sky and said, Boy, it's a big sky. And after a while, it's like, mm, maybe there's a big God. And when you go up to the sky itself, when you try to explore the planets, he's still out of reach. He's that big. The first cosmonaut, the first person in space uh, named Gagarin, made kind of a smart alecky comment in space saying, yeah, I don't see God up here. He was proudly representing his confessed atheistic nature based on his nurture in his nation, the Soviet Union at the time. A Russian Orthodox country overwhelmed by atheism. And he said, hey, there's no God up here. I'm sorry, but you just don't have big enough vision. Your perspective is way too small. But you're thankful to be up there, aren't you? Where do you think that sense of gratitude came from? That sense of awe and wonder that strikes everybody. DeVries, the fellow who went up uh, uh, with Jeff Bezos uh, on their, their trip to the margin of outer space, uh, died a couple weeks later, but in that couple-week period, he couldn't say it enough. I was overwhelmed by the magnificence of what I experienced and what I saw. So he said, well, you paid a lot of money. I think it was a quarter million dollars or something, like, or I mean $250 million, some crazy amount of money. He said it was worth every penny. That's what gratitude does to us. Is built into our nature by God himself. And so when Jesus entered Jerusalem, if you remember this, at the end of his three-year ministry, he's going uh, to do what he came to do, to redeem all humankind. As he's entering the city, we call this Palm Sunday. It's his triumphal entrance into the city. 
Uh, people are waving palm branches just because they're coming in to celebrate Passover anyway. But when Jesus shows up, they go at high, high gear. And people are praising him, and they're ascribing to him. And we know this because they're quoting scriptures ascribed to God and specifically to the Messiah who was to come. And they start crying out all these praises and scripture passages to Jesus as if he were the Messiah coming in. That's why we call it the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Well, this caused the religious leaders to go crazy, and they said to Jesus, tell them to stop. This is outrageous. How dare they? How dare you allow this to happen? And what did Jesus say? If I tell them to stop, even the stones will cry out in praise. You don't, people don't seem to understand all creation. All creation yearns to express the gratitude that belongs alone to God that we see in Psalm 145. But like all things human, gratitude, though a God-given quality, is tainted by human sin. Even gratitude needs to be redeemed. Our good intentions. We can even, we can even um, deface and distort gratitude. We can make gratitude a, 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 a ploy, a game. Uh, the obsequious person who's pouring all, all the gratitude Anytime, anytime somebody I don't know comes up to me in, a, in an odd situation, but they know I'm a pastor, they say, oh, brother, they start laying out some pitch to me. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. This is his most fake gratitude uh, for some other end, right? So even gratitude needs to be redeemed. That's why we read Psalm 145, and we realize I'm reading about the true source of all gratitude. Otherwise, if it's not redeemed, we end up, what, thanking ourselves. Hey, we did a great job, didn't we? Way to go, team. Uh, we end up thanking market forces. Wow, that was a good investment. That was a smart move. Uh, how about nature? I mean, in the most wonderful, respectful way, you have cultures in this country and around the world who would thank everything in nature for whatever I caught the fish. Thank you, fish. Thank you, God of the fish. Thank you for, you know, the ocean. And so it's this well-intended way of expressing gratitude, but for lack of anything else to ascribe it to, it's ascribed to nature itself. Well, you could say, you know, you walk out today, it's a gorgeous day. I mean, what's there not to be thankful for? But I don't, I don't say, oh, oh, sun, thank you for shining. I say, God, thank you for making the sun. We'll thank idols. Oh, had I not done that offering to that statue, to that wooden stone, whatever, or to that idol that's in my head, this wouldn't have happened if I didn't have my lucky whatever it was. Oh, we just say I was lucky. Wow, I'm so lucky. Or you'll even add a religious uh, intro to it without recognizing that you're missing the fact that it just belongs alone to God. Thank God I was so lucky. Or it's fate. Wow, just today was my day. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Every day is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice to be glad in it. So you see what I mean? Gratitude needs to be redeemed. It's endemic to who we are as creations of God. But it too needs to be redeemed along with everything else in this world. Which leads to the second big idea of the morning. Gratitude acknowledges life as a gift and humbly expresses appreciation. You might say, well, no duh. Well, yeah, it's no duh because our culture has been so imbued again with the gospel. Even if we deny it, 
we've internalized enough to say, yeah, I, I accept that as, as, as part of who I am now. If you hear people who say I'm an atheist or agnostic, but they're, they're celebrating Thanksgiving, you can say, you can thank a Jewish king for that. Because Psalm 145 sets the bar for Thanksgiving. People who've never read it, have never heard it, have been influenced by it, and they don't even know it. So gratitude acknowledges life as a gift. We would say a gift from God himself. And humbly expresses appreciation. Therefore, gratitude is more than a social convention. Think about this. Gratitude is more than a social convention, something that we politely do in response to something good done to us or for us. Gratitude in its heart is a confession of faith. That's what Psalm 145 is. It's a psalm of praise and gratitude, but it's really a confession of faith. Oh my God, thank you. Hey, every look, it's God who we thank. Generation to generation, let me tell you about this God, his mighty deeds. Hey, you who are bowed down and, and overwhelmed, he's for you, he's with you. Hey, you who have deep desires and aspirations for a better life, he is the one who will provide it for you. It's more than a social convention. It's a confession of faith. Gratitude finds its true voice in the language of faith revealed in the word of God. That's why Psalm 45 is so powerful. It gives us language. It gives us words to appropriately express gratitude, to move past idols or, or nature itself or luck or fate or our own best efforts. It puts all those things in its proper context. Gratitude finds its fullest expression in worshiping God, in loving people, and caring for creation, see? We find our language for gratitude out of God's Word, ultimately. Because human words otherwise fail. We veer off into our own small ideas. But the Word of God keeps us focused, gives us an appropriate language, and then the ultimate fulfillment of that leads us to worship God, to love people created in His image, and to love the creation that He's created. We don't care about the climate, we don't care about the earth, we don't care about the, the, the water, we don't care about anything in the world. Just because it's serviceable, it's a product, it's, a, it's the source of our survival, we care about it because it's God's. He hasn't given up ownership of it. It belongs to Him. It's an act of gratitude. So much of what I read about all the issues related to climate change are so poorly written because they're all about fear. And therefore, it's an exaggerated fear because it's an exaggerated version of what's at stake. And then there are exaggerated solutions to how we're going to do something about it. What if we flipped that and said, all this matters because we're grateful to God for allowing us to be stewards of His creation. What would our gratitude look like as we looked at some of the behaviors that we've done to ruin and to face God's creation. Same thing with human justice issues. We don't do it because, well, those poor people, I feel bad, and, and I'll be able to signal virtue. We say, I'm so grateful to God for having a heart for everybody, and he's given me the hands to be the extension of his heart. You see how, where this goes? I mean, think of it this way. The Good Samaritan's kindness was an act of compassion rooted in gratitude. Nobody made him stop. The Samaritan, hated by the Jew, he stopped to help and resentful of that Jew. Nobody was there on the road with a sign saying, Samaritan, 
you've showed up just in time for your story for Jesus. You know, here's your lines. Uh, you know, film. No. It was a sense of gratitude to God. Two other people had passed by the guy. Two, two Jewish guys had passed by in a hurry, on their way. They were thinking in terms of, oh, I don't, this is an obligation I don't have time for. There was a very rational reason they didn't stop. The problem is, rationality isn't enough. Rationality could say to anybody who does anything good for you, well, you wanted to do that because it made you feel better. You knucklehead, I did it because I saw your need. I felt your pain. You see, the Samaritan captured the, really, the real essence of the moment. Not only was that, it was that, that man's need or his schedule, but rather out of an act of gratitude to God, I'm going to stop and do what I did. You see the difference in that? When we do things out of a sense of obligation, it's limited. When we do things out of a sense of quid pro quo, oh, i got to do it because I owe you one, it's always limited and limiting. Our gratitude, our response will always be half-hearted. And we'll have other things connected to it, other conditions, other expectations, other agendas. Gratitude is agenda-free. It's simply an expression of God's goodness made real in people and through people. It allows us to participate in God's mission in the world. God makes a difference in us. He invites us to join Him in making a difference in the world. Not that He needs our help, but He, he brings us in because it's part of how we learn to thrive and grow. By being able to join God in his work in the world, we thrive and grow. When we say, oh, God's got it covered, he doesn't need me, we stop thriving and growing. Third point then, the first point being, gratitude is woven into creation as an expression of our essential being. And second, gratitude acknowledges life as a gift and humbly expresses appreciation. The third big idea of the morning, the final idea is this. Gratitude is contagious and it builds authentic community. Gratitude is contagious. Again, not out of an obligation or a social convention. Thank you. Well, thank you. No, no, thank you. No, but thank you. You know, you become silly in a hurry. No, but really thank you, you know, but... Um, but it is contagious because it does elicit from us a sense it's not just a socially appropriate thing to say or do, but rather a sense of, oh yeah, that does mean something to me. And that person doesn't know what's in my head or my heart right now, so I think I will articulate it and acknowledge my appreciation. Now, by the way, there's nothing worse than having to find the magic way of expressing gratitude to somebody whose gift always has something attached to it. You have had people in your life, you might have them in your life right now. Uh, you, you have to say it a thousand times in a thousand different ways uh, for them to really believe that you appreciated the amazing thing they did for you and all the work and effort it required. Uh, and that is a burden, right? That kind of gratitude, you think, oh, dear Lord, I can't stand one more day of gratitude with that person. Versus the kind of gratitude that builds community is that gratitude that floats everybody's boat because it's this incredibly authentic sense of, wow, am I thankful for you for this. And the person who, who you're thanking would say, oh my gosh, it's a joy for me to be, you know. So all of a sudden you get this upward spiral 
of virtue that isn't about signaling, it's simply celebrating what's going on. So gratitude is contagious and it builds authentic community because you allow people to thank you or not because you're doing something out of your gratitude to God. Why, why would a mom or a dad work slavishly, rearrange their life to care for a small child or a growing child or an older child? Yes, yeah, a sense of duty and responsibility and obligation, but it's also a deep sense of gratitude. Lord, thank you for trusting this child to me. Thank you for the gift of being this child's mom, dad, grandparent, aunt, uncle. So the good life isn't just what's in our portfolio or in our pantry. Uh, the good life is, is the fruit of God's goodness. And that's why gratitude becomes contagious and why it builds community. There's nothing, there's no downside to goodness. When you're around authentic goodness, you feel like, I'm alive. I feel alive here. What's going on? Why do I feel so good? The food, the, the house, the, the what, yeah, that's all part of it, but uh, really, it's, there's a sense of goodness here that is so ennobling and so inspiring that draws you in to be part of that community. It's contagious. You want to you participate in it. You want to extend it. You want to express it. You want other people to have a shot at it. And so it's what Jesus, God with us, develops in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our body. Again, all creation. It's that full body experience of true gratitude. Wow. I'll burst if I can't find a way to express what's in my heart. That's why Psalm 145 is so powerful. You feel like you're bursting as you're reading it. And you imagine David writing again. Oh, and another thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. In fact, the way he structured this, he, he did Psalm 145 along the lines of the, the Hebrew alphabet. It's an, we call that an acrostic poem. You just put the alphabet down like this. All bet, gimel, dalet, hey, vav, you know, all the... All the Letters, and you, then you start each line with that letter. <clears throat> it's, it's got every, it's a weird, well, here, by the way, there's a little weird anomaly of this psalm. In the original Hebrew, uh, they, they, David left out the letter nun, the N, nun. Uh, there's none in there, <laughs> you know. Uh, but in the Jewish translation of, of the uh, Old Testament into Greek, it's added. So, Somehow it was left out. It was an oversight of leaving it out. And then when the translators, Jewish people in Alexandria, in Egypt, a center for Judaism, said, okay, we've got to translate this thing into Greek because that's the culture right now. Uh, everybody's speaking Greek. Uh, let's translate the Bible into that. So for all the people far away from Jerusalem, like us in Alexandria, people in Turkey or other parts of the world, they'll be able to read the Word of God. Uh, and so it was restored. That's a small, irrelevant footnote. It just happened to be on my mind. I thought I'd share it with you. Um, if the people at the second service don't get it, they won't even ask you about it. But if you volunteer it, now you have to explain it to them if you see them. Hey, the thing about the nun was fascinating, wasn't it? I didn't say that. Okay, so it's possible to be well-fed, well-clothed, well-housed, well-educated, and still be miserable, right? You know that's true. All those things become diversionary rather than a package to celebrate something inherently good, right? This is the crazy thing about the affluence of our country. We're still a very restless, dissatisfied country. 
Increasing influence doesn't necessarily make people feel more alive and good and express gratitude. What do we see right now in our culture? Griping, not gratitude. I deserve more. This is not enough. What else can you do for me? That was yesterday. You think, ooh, whatever happened to human resourcefulness and personal motivation and responsibility? So it's possible to be well-fed, clothed, housed, educated, and miserable. Just getting the family together does not ensure the family will like being together. Yeah, but all, of, all, all, the, all the accoutrements, you know, all the decor, the plates even say Thanksgiving. The, everything about this is perfect. I, the food, everything is delivered on time, hot. It's, it's, we've created an amazingly perfect tableau of Thanksgiving. Why is everybody so miserable? I hope this is not your experience this Thursday. Um, because just getting us together under the auspices of a holiday is not enough. The necessary ingredient is being together in genuine gratitude for God's goodness. If the people showing up wherever you are on Thursday don't bring with them a genuine sense of gratitude, it's going to be a long meal. It's going to be a rough day. If those people show up and whatever that place is, you know, maybe it's an extended family or a bunch of friends get together, they show up and the turkey is not getting cooked on time or it's overcooked or this fell apart or that didn't work or somebody, it can, you can have a series of calamities go, go on this Thanksgiving, but if everybody shows up with genuine gratitude, they'll be laughing about it. They'll be going, oh, whatever, let's go order pizza. You know, they'll, be, they'll go, oh, that's a bummer, but, you know, don't worry about it. Let's just, we're together. That's enough, right? You know this is true. This is the beauty of the goodness that begets authentic gratitude that builds authentic community. Authentic just means it's real, and it's so real that you want to be a part of it. It's not fake. It's not that under the surface it's churning with anxiety and anger, or jealousy, or envy. You want to be in a place where it just feels like we're so blessed to be together. Oh, my gosh. And the food is perfect. And the decor, that's so charming. Who did the flowers? You know, that's all good. It's all fantastic. The aesthetic aspect of everything is really important because that's also built into us. But it can't replace the inherent goodness that begets true, authentic gratitude that builds true, authentic community. And so this is the reason Psalm 145 is at the heart of not only our thanksgiving, but out of the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, thanksgiving was first celebrated in 1621, right? And it really wasn't a thank. It was Thanksgiving, but it's not what we think of Thanksgiving because that was then formalized later. But 1621 is the first time, and we only know about it from one letter uh, that described what happened. There was like four women, because all the other women had died, there a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of kids. There are about 90 uh, Native Americans, various Indian tribes, uh, the Wampanoag and other tribes. Uh, you know Squanto. Uh, you know some of the characters there. Uh, there were some Europeans there. Like I said, mainly, mostly men. The women had died. And that was the first Thanksgiving, 1621. And, of course, then that is formalized into subsequent Thanksgiving celebrations and then assigned to this fourth Sunday or fourth Thursday in November. But 3,000 years before this, 
people were celebrating Thanksgiving, and we know it as the Feast of Tabernacles. It was commanded in Exodus and Leviticus. And it was, a, it was a double thanksgiving. It's called to this day, called a double thanksgiving. Uh, because tabernacle, uh, tabernacles are just, it, it, I'll, I'll explain in a second what that means, why it's called tabernacles. But it's a fall thanksgiving feast celebrating two essential things. One, the fruitfulness of the land that produced good crops. And the fruitfulness of people living in the land, benefiting from the fertility of that place. So it's a twofer. And, and so the first one, the first aspect of it is called the ingathering, the harvest. It's a harvest festival. And the second part of it is that the, um, the tabernacles part is really from a word called sukkah, which is shelter. And you get a bunch of sh- little sukkahs together. It's called a sukkot. It's a little portable village. And so what they would say is this, after 400 years of slavery... And forty years of wandering in the, in the in the in the wilderness, God has brought us into this land, and now has commanded us to celebrate with thanksgiving the fruitfulness of the promised land, and the fruitfulness of getting to live in this land. And so, like the harvesters li- living in a portable shelter while they're harvesting the crops, and remembering how it was living in portable shelters for forty years, uh, people to this day, it's usually in the fall. Sometime this last fall, it was October 9th. Sometime between September and November, for 3,000 years, uh, a Thanksgiving ceremony and celebration has happened, celebrating these two things. And Psalm 145 is the centerpiece for that celebration. We're a little late to the party in that sense, 3,000 years later, saying, hey, 1621, let's, uh, let's do this. Um, so gratitude, gratitude is an essential element in recovery. As the people recovered from those 400 years of slavery and 40 years of wilderness, the Lord says, part of your recovery is to celebrate with gratitude. It's also an expression of resilience, recovery and resilience. Uh, I think one of the greatest psalms for Thanksgiving uh, is Now Thank We All Our God. Written by Mar- uh, Martin Rinkert in 1636. It's the most beautiful psalm, and I'm going to read it to you. But it was written in midway through the, what we know as a 30 years' war. Martin, Martin Rinkert was, was burying uh, 50 people a day. It was a time of pestilence and war and death. It made our COVID experience look like a picnic. It was horrific. And so he wrote a prayer for his family so that they could be resilient in the face of this catastrophe and calamity. Eventually it was set to music, and it's, of course, one of the most beloved hymns about gratitude. Now thank we all our God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way, who with, with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. The day he was writing is, it was horrible. He yearned for recovery, but what he was praying for was resilience, and gratitude was a means he was going to get it. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us, with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, and keep us in his grace, and guide us when perplexed, 
and guard us through all ills in this world till the next. All praise and thanks to God the Father now be given. The Son and Him who reigns with them in highest heaven. The one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore. For thus it was, is now, and shall be forevermore. Powerful, powerful, powerful expression. So, probably this Thanksgiving is not going to be a time of recovery for you. It might be. Perhaps it is a time of resilience for you. But for sure it will be a time of remembering. This is the God whom we serve. This is the God who has given us a capacity to express gratitude and builds a community of gratitude around him. So this Thanksgiving, wherever you are with, uh, and whomever you are with, read Psalm 145. Now you might be in a mixed group of people, some of whom will say, oh, I'm not, I don't believe in the Bible. Okay, you don't have to believe in the Bible. Just let me read you these words that are very stirring. So find a way. You could make copies of this and hand it out to everybody at the table and say, everybody gets to read. And the littlest kid gets one line because that's about, it'll take them 30 minutes to get through that one line, sounding out the words. But everybody gets something to read. And if not, you just read it. Uh, but I tell you, it's powerful in a group of people to read this, and, and, and you, you feel the energy building as you're reading through this. Just read that. You don't have to even comment on it. Just say, I want to read something. And then if it's your custom, wherever you gather to pray, then you get to pray. But if you really want to take it to the next level, you can say, hey, could we just go around real quickly and hear a couple things that you're thankful for? I say a couple because, first of all, every kid's going to say, well, my mom... Okay, um, great. Yep. And we don't want to say, don't say your mom. You know, don't say your family because oh, well, that's the whole point. And every mom is looking going, really, that was a rule? What you want to say is to share a couple things that you're thankful for. Uh, <laughs> and that's powerful. After hearing this psalm, that would be powerful. It doesn't take that long. And it gives everybody a chance to participate. It changes some people's attitudes. Is that... Grumpy uncle or that contentious aunt or that, you know, distracted teenager. I don't know, whatever you got going. They're going to have to then say, I don't know. I got to think about it. Mm, I'm 18. I'm almost 18. I get to leave this place. I don't know what they're going to say. Ask everyone to share something that they're thankful for and why. Here's another thing I suggest you do. Call or text friends. We, we have a, a whole stack of these things right up there on the table as you walk out. Blank postcards. Take one of these, write a quick note, make it in big letters so you don't have to write that much. You know, Thinking of you at this time of year, love me, or you know, cheers, whatever. Send it to somebody. Call or text or write a note to family and, and friends expressing your grat- gratitude to them in specific ways. You know, one thing I really appreciate about you is this. Simple. I'll leave you with this thought. Bring gratitude with you wherever you go. Bring gratitude with you wherever you go. Give it generously. Why? Because it goes with everything and makes everyone and every occasion better. Gratitude is welcome at every party. We thrive and grow through generosity and gratitude. What an awesome thing. We have an actual holiday that gives us an excuse to do that. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for that. That we have an opportunity to Express and practice gratitude formally and also informally, personally, as well as as a culture, as a country. I pray, Lord, that we can 
take full advantage of this uh, to affirm people, uh, to thank people, to specifically tell them what we appreciate about them. We thank you and praise you for every good and perfect gift that you have so lavishly bestowed on each one of us here. We pray this in Jesus' high and holy name. Amen. So as the, as the band leads us in yet another one more song, um, this is a time of offering, not the money kind of offering, but a view offering. Uh, whatever you, you want to give financially, you can, you can send it to us or put it in the box. But this is a time for you to offer yourself to the Lord. You are the offering of the morning. Uh, let's do that together as we worship Him.
Hey, as you leave today, if there's anything we can pray for you about, uh, go right around the corner out into the prayer garden. Uh, if, uh, if you watch the UCLA-USC game and you're a USC person today, there'll be UCLA people out praying for you in the back there, uh, feeling your pain. Uh, but really, truly, whatever is on your heart or mind, for yourself or for somebody else, uh, uh, we want to have a prayer with you if you're open to that. Uh, and as Ryan said, uh, we, we pray through those prayer requests every week. God is for you. God is with you. And he's brought people to be for you and with you as well. So whatever we can do to help you take whatever is that next step in your walk with Jesus, we want to help you do that. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine give you everything you need to walk in fullness and newness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and if you don't have any other plans, come right here. Just let us know. Thanks. Bye.